here back uh, with In Ema's Eyes, a podcast where we journey through the weekly Torah portion and glean parenting insights along the way. I am happy to be with you. Um, this week we are studying Parsha Mishpatim, um, which is Exodus chapter 21, verse 1 through Exodus chapter 24, verse 18. And it's my understanding that the word Mishpatim comes from the Hebrew root shofet, which means judge, but can also be a word that's used in modern Hebrew for like a referee of a soccer game. So I find that really interesting. What's the con- what's the connection, right? Uh, well, I think a referee and a judge are both making judgment calls based on the circumstances right in front of them. So let's see if this week's Torah portion has anything to do with circumstantial judgment. This week's Torah portion is covering a long list of laws or judgments, which is how it gets its name, and they all seem to be reparative judgments. So let's take a look and see what we can glean from this list list of reparations that could guide our parenting practice today. I hope you will tune in for our episode. It's it's definitely a little on the dry side, this Torah portion, because it is like a list of if this happens and this, but um, but there are some really cool um, themes I want to point out to you. The first theme, and I'm going to just put this out here um, in the beginning because I want you to listen for it. All of these laws seem to be related to the story of Joseph in some way. And so uh, as you're reading this week's Torah portion, I want you to think about the sto- Joseph's story and <clears throat> and just ask yourself, oh, wow, which part of this Torah portion is referring to Joseph's story? And why do you think Moses would do that? Uh, ra- one of the rabbis I was, uh, commentaries I was reading this week so far um, <clears throat> suggests that the story of Joseph is actually on the people's minds. It's one of their collect, it's in their recent collective history and they're carrying, you know, they're carrying his bones out with him. And so they're talking about him and how they got to Egypt in the first place. And that's, that's the, the talk around the dinner table, right? In the, in the, in the camp, <clears throat> in the camp at this point in their story. And so um, this one rabbi was saying that perhaps Moses leads off with some rules that apply to the Joseph story because it gives the people a hook or like a memory hook, a, a schema of information, a narrative to set these rules on top of. The narrative is something that they have inside of their soul, inside of their minds, and they're rehearsing it, right? And so every time they get to the part where Joseph ends up in the ditch, for example, then they would remember the part about like, well, if your animal ends up in a ditch, you know, or your neighbor's, your enemy's animal ends up in the ditch. Um, Joseph was also sold into slavery. And we see right here in the first Aaliyah, the rules to, guard, to guarding the Hebrews, the Israelites from becoming oppressors. Um, because it says that after six years, you must let a Hebrew slave go free. So Joseph sold into slavery. That's a really important key point in his story. And so Moses is leading off with, hey, if you're going to have a slave, it's pretty common in ancient Egypt or ancient times for people to have slaves. If you're going to do that, here's, you have to let them go after six years. And if they choose to stay because they love you so much and they want to stay, then they can stay. Now, which is kind of an incentive for treating your slaves really well, right? Because a slave leaving is a, is a property loss, right? It, according to ancient times. I mean, we don't have this, this, this set of laws seems so divorced from our minds right now because we don't nobody owns slaves anymore in America anyway in <clears throat> 2023. Not that I'm aware of anyway. Um, so but in ancient times, this was a commonplace practice and 
they're saying like you have to treat them so well they might choose to stay with you what does that have to do with parenting by the way we don't own slaves what can you learn about parenting from this what i get from about parenting from this is like i certainly don't think that my children are slaves but i do think that some people work their kids a lot and i have a balance between kids being kids and kids learning responsibility they don't have to be adults yet but the main point here is if you treat them well they'll come visit you when they leave home so um and what constitutes treating them well it's very individual like some one of my kids really could do a lot more work than um, I even expect because he, he just likes to work um, but one of my kids like that's like I just would rather play with you I don't really want to work I don't you know you all every time you call my name you want me to do something you know so it has to be you know based on the soul of the child Anyway, let's move on. Aaliyah, the second Aaliyah, we have laws about the eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, which sounds super cruel, but our sages have a tradition that this actually means paying the financial value of the eye or the tooth. And again, that's relative to the person's work. Um, for instance, a concert pianist's right hand would probably be valued differently than um, a journalist or a translator who does mostly oral work, like using their, your, their mouth to tell stories. Um, the right hand may not be as expensive to a person who doesn't use it for their work. So, um, and this is where we have a lot interesting, curious set of laws about the, the ox that habitually gores people <laughs> or gores other animals. Um, so I won't talk about that too much right now, but at the end in the parenting touch points, I would like to go back to this. Um, in the third Aaliyah, we have a juxtaposition of laws for when someone leaves something at your house versus if you borrow it or rent it. And then at the end of this Aaliyah, we have a list of death penalties that the Torah says, you know, don't mistreat a stranger, a widow, or an orphan. So we have a section of death penalty laws, right? And then right after that, he's like, by the way, don't mistreat a stranger, a widow, or an orphan, because if they cry out to me, I'll hear them. And then he's, then God says, don't treat people who borrow money from you badly either. Even going so far to say, return their garment that they used as collateral. Now, if you're using a sh your, the shirt on your back as collateral for a loan, you're pretty poor. And, um, and so God's basically saying, why? Because I am merciful. Like you need to circumstantially understand the impact of your, the interest you're charging, the impact of the way you're treating. The, this is all reparative justice. What's the impact of your choice on this person's life? Are you making a difference or not? You know, is the diff, the impact you're leaving good or bad? And that's, that's very ethical, very circumstantial reparative justice here. It's, there's not a one size fits all. So, he, so basically God is having Moses, Moses teach them like, I am merciful. So you need to be merciful. I hear the widow and orphan. You need to hear the widow and orphan. I see the plight of the stranger. You need to see the plight of the stranger. So it's, it's more like hold yourself to my ideal. And that will, it's, how do I say this? It's more of a, it's instead of a specific, like, here's what I want you to do to treat the widow or orphan. Well, it's more like see them and hear them for who they are. And that's what I do, you know? Okay, and seeing and hearing somebody takes a whole lot more attention than just giving them their money back or what, or their garment back, you know. In the fourth Aaliyah, it says, do not accept a false report. And I could go on about tattling here, but I won't. <laughs> Hopefully, that'll come. it'll come up again in a different Parsha. Um, and it also talks about helping your enemy's bull or donkey, you know, when they're burdened under their load. Um, and I think this is basically a general way of saying, 
hey, if you're mad at somebody, don't take it out on their ox or their their bull or their donkey. Like the, if you see them, them, the burden being too heavy. Um, I mean, this would go for separated families too. You might be mad at your ex, but don't take it out on the kids. Like try to move forward in a neutral rather than revenge mode because the person you hurt when you ignore the bull, the donkey, or the child is really the bull, the donkey, or the child, not the other person. So, um, in the fifth of Leah, we talk, uh, we take a break and talk about Shabbat and festivals. Well, that is reparative justice to the people who were just enslaved, right? That you, they have, I mean, with the Jewish people, we have a lot of holidays. We have one every Friday and, you know, several holidays. There's spring holidays, fall holidays, holidays in the winter, holidays in the summer. And the point is that, um, compared to being slaves when they had no time off at all, that's a reparative justice. Um, and then in the sixth Aliyah, God mentions that there is a blessing for obeying. In the seventh Aliyah, God continues to say like, Hey, even though I am perfectly capable, you know, I am. Cause I just look at all the plagues I just did, but I'm perfectly capable of driving all of these people out of the land in an instant with a miracle. I'm not going to do it. He's like, I'm, I will not drive them all out in one year because your numbers are tiny enough that you will not be able to cover the whole land. And if I drive them all out and leave you there with a bunch of land you can't conquer, you're going to end up with tons of wild animals that will overtake you. And that's not good. So, um, I, again, I could go on about like, what is God saying? This is a parenting touch point right here. He, God's saying, you're not quite ready for everything, all the blessing that I'm going to give you. And so I'm going to help you have victory in the situation one step at a time, instead of, you know, giving you the complete victory and then having you struggle with a different problem. So I want to say that reminds me, um, it's important to me to always kind of give God the benefit of the doubt that if I'm not getting what I want or need right now, that it might be because there's more to the story. Like there, he might be concerned about wild animals in my land instead of the people in the land, in the land that he's trying to, that God's trying to give us. So again, it's metaphorical. Um, but when we have victory in our own lives or we're struggling with something, it is important to just, um, celebrate the small victories, the one, the one step at a time, small victories, things, a lot of big changes don't happen overnight. So all right, our parenting touch points. In this episode, we're discussing also like teaching when you sit down and when you walk along the way. So in Jewish tradition, we recite the Shema twice a day. And in the, the Ve'ahavta that follows the Shema or that is attached to the Shema, we talk about um, teach these, pre- these, these rules, these, this Torah to the people as to your children when you sit down and when you walk along the way. So what's the difference between teaching when you sit down versus teaching when you walk along the way? And what my understanding of teaching when you sit down would be like, let's get the Torah out and read it together. And, you know, what do you notice? What do you wonder about and talk about it? Like learn it as we're sitting down studying it. But then there's also a way of teaching Torah as you walk along the way. And um, in my current parenting practice, because my kids are, um, you know, 11 and nine and f- four and a half. Most of my Torah teaching to the older kid, the two older boys, is as you sit down. But there's some as you walk along the way. Um, I mean, of course, leading by example is teaching the Torah. I, first of all, I know not everybody listening to this podcast is um, is Jewish. I'm not saying that you have to teach the Torah, um, but every home has a Torah or a 
Torah, a Torah aura. <laughs> I didn't mean that. A Torah or um, what you would call a list of values and beliefs and judgments that we, you know, values. Like maybe in your, maybe your family considers themselves kind people. Um, maybe your family considers themselves productive in society. So every family, whether you're Jewish or not, has a built-in vision or mission statement, you know, that where this is what our family does. And it, we, we say a lot that the Clarks are kind. We are, we try to gauge our progress in life by, are we succeeding and still kind to people? Are we, um, making our point and still kind to people? Like this is, <laughs> this is our Torah is our, are we doing whatever we're doing and still kind to people? Um, so because we say all the time that we're Clarks are, we're Clarks and Clarks are kind. We're Clarks and we're hard workers too. We, if we say we're going to do something, we follow through with it. We have integrity. So do you see what I'm saying? Like, even if you don't follow the Torah because you're not Jewish, the Torah, every family, every soul has a Torah inside of it that they believe in. And, and Torah just means teaching. It doesn't mean judgments or laws. It means teaching. And so, um, so yeah, what this is really teaching, this section is teaching us that, yeah, we teach when we sit down and have a talk about something that didn't, that did go well or didn't go well, but we also teach as we walk along the way. When we're walking along the way, our kids are watching us as an example of what it looks like to be a clerk, to be kind, um, to be an employee, to follow through with what we said we would do. Um, just even do we keep our own promises to our kids? That's teaching them something about the value of a promise. And, um, so those, so when we walk along the way, this is all really circumstantial too. Um, so back to that Joseph point the, I think Moses is basically like trying to apply this mass amount of Torah that he's trying to, to teach into a very, he's just leading off, like, this is the, the main things you need to worry about right now as we walk along the way together. Also, the parenting touch point here is like, look at how he's empowering these judges. So just last week's Parsha, he taught, he decided to have judges in each tribe, right? And this week, he's teaching them all the laws that he thinks will be most important for them to judge their cases with. And so he's empowering them with knowledge and with authority, and so that's something we need to pay attention to in our own homes too, is are we empowering our kids to be successful with the responsibilities that we're giving them? And then I, my last point this week is about that habitual ox. Now, um, I want you, first of all, I don't think any of our kids are oxen, but, and I, I, I just need to, I have a disclaimer first. If you are a parent, you're listening to this podcast and one of your children struggles with angry outbursts or any kind of violence, whether that's verbal violence or physical violence, you need to hear what I have to say um, at this moment. Please listen. I hope that you can hear my, my heart here. My heart is wants to communicate to you as a parent that parenting a child that's prone to some sort of violence is very difficult. And if you don't feel supported doing that, I... I ask that you would reach out to me or to anyone that you trust and ask for some help and support. Um, even getting some parenting coaching, there's lots of services out there where people, you can have people help you in your parenting journey because dealing with someone that is prone to angry outbursts is very, it can be really intimidating. It's upsetting as a, as the parent, it's upsetting to your heart, your soul. Sometimes we feel scared of our kids because they are so, apt to have this angry outburst 
And we, so we kind of start placating them, like tiptoeing around them a little bit so we don't upset them or set them off. And I understand why you're doing, why we do that. But I also want you to know, look at the, what the Torah is saying. If you know that your child is prone to being hurtful to other people and you don't do something about that, teach them to do something differently with their anger, then you are just as responsible for their behavior as they are. And, um, and that's tough. That's hard. Um, but it's, I, I need you to hear me. You can ask for help. You can ask for support. There's lots of people, including myself, that have learned ways to deal with the angry outbursts in a way that doesn't totally burn the whole house down. And I don't have to acquiesce to the person that's having the outburst all the time. I, I have to say here, I know we're a little bit over time, but I have to say here, there was this thing going around on Instagram a couple of weeks ago about uh, whether or not you should send your kids to their room when they're upset. And I think the point, the the person who posted it was saying like, saying go to your room is kind of a shaming way to deal with big feelings, right? And I, I agree with that. But also in the context of a person who has big outbursts, it might be the safest place for them to go to their room and be angry there and then calm down and then come back into the situation and deal with the conflict when they're calmer. And again, I'm, I, uh, when I have one child that I do have to send to their room, but I don't send them. I have taught him that mistakes happen when he's feeling like that mistakes that hurt people and they are mistakes. He doesn't mean to do it, but he's so angry and so emotionally keyed up that he can't, his impulse control is very bad at that point. So I've taught him that the safest place for him to go when he's feeling that upset is to go to his room and calm down first before he tries to finish the argument. And so he does. He runs himself down the hallway to his room when he's too mad. And um, But he always comes back and he always deals with the situation when he's calmer. And <clears throat> so that's my parenting touch point. If you have a, a, a child that is prone to outbursts, uh, like I said, I have some experience with this, or if you don't feel comfortable reaching out to me, please reach out to someone who can help you. There are lots of resources out there and you're not alone. So, all right, that's it. May the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob bless all of you with wisdom, support, and shalom as you teach the Torah of your heart, of your soul, to the beautiful souls that God has entrusted in your home. And I, please, like I said, I'm, uh, I'm a, per, I'm a person who really likes a personal connection. So if you have anything that you, uh, that speaks to you in this episode, anything that resonates with you, or if you just want to chat about parenting, please just send me an email. I'd be happy to talk to you. Um, and Shalom until next time. Bye.